This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Dan, thank you so much for making time for us on Moose Talks today. My pleasure to be here. Uh, so let's talk the budget first since that dropped last week. I know uh, you've kind of done a couple interviews with EnergeticCity.ca about the budget already. Uh, I'm wondering if there was anything you were happy about, happy to see in the budget that you think uh, the government might, might be able to follow through on. Well, you know, there, there. Obviously, I guess what we're no. I'll start with that. <laughs> you know, not very much. Um, you know, we've. Uh, you know, one of the things that we keep seeing. Uh, this is the seventh budget that this government has presented in the last six years, and uh, it, you know, this budget, like the others, have just been a complete regurgitation, uh, regurgitation of announcements. Um, you know, the same stuff over and over and over again. You know, what worries us is we're not seeing results. Um, you know, we, we see these big announcements and nothing happens. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, look around the province and, and just look to one thing that this present government has uh, planned and built. Well, there's none. So when, when you start thinking about that over the last six and a bit years, uh, that's concerning. Uh, you know, public sector employees. Yes, we obviously do need. Uh, need to keep track of public sector employees as our province grows. We do need more people. But, uh, you know, this government uh, since 2018 has increased public sector employees by almost 130,000 people, you know, roughly 30, a 35% increase in public sector employees. One would think that we would see, you know, maybe a 30, 35% improvement in healthcare, uh-huh. 30, 35% improvement, uh, you know, when you go to service uh, BC counter or dealing with, uh, you name it, the agency. But uh, let's be honest, it's, uh, if anything, it's 30, 35% worse than it was in 2017. So when, when we start looking at really uh, this budget and, and, and what's good and bad, well, I, I have a hard time saying anything good about it because, um, we haven't seen it. Uh, there's nothing in there. And, and I've been saying this year after year uh, on, on consecutive budgets. This government does not support the resource sector in British Columbia. And again, this budget actually shows that, uh, uh, you know, they, they are predicting declining revenues. Well, of course they are. Uh, they don't promote forestry. They don't promote the oil and gas sector. They don't promote mining. And, uh, you know, we've seen that, uh, you know, certainly up in our area with the oil and gas industry facing, uh, you know, some of the biggest challenges that uh, that it's ever faced. So uh, where does the government make up that money? Well, they're going to be reaching deeper into your pocket, now probably your back pocket, uh, to make up those shortages uh, through taxation. I mean, there, there is just no way that, uh, that they can make their, their commitments unless they do that. So I, I'm, I'm really hesitant. To, uh, you know, obviously, there's little pieces in that that we do agree with. But overall, the, um, you know, the, the sheer incompetence of this government and their budget uh, is staggering. And it's been repeated year after year after year. And, you know, we see it probably more than most uh, being in a more rural, remote community. Um, you know, we just feel like we have the shoulder turned toward us. And uh, I hear that all the time. And we've been talking about that for years. And it's just getting worse. Uh-huh. I mean, on healthcare, there's a couple things I want to bring up. Um, first of all, of course, they've they've made some announcements of some big uh, spending they want to do on that. Um, 
And I, I think I want to note, too, that, of course, your party and Kevin Falcon uh, some time ago, a couple months ago or whatever it was, made a huge announcement about something that you would do if you were in power, which in the middle of a government's tenure in office, I thought almost bordered on statesmanship because, well, I mean, you announced it. You could have waited till it was an election cycle to say something. But it was it was it was it was a show of leadership from somebody to say, here's what we think we should be doing. And as such, the government is now, you know, uh, I don't know if they're copying you, but nonetheless, they're they say they're going to make big investments in mental health uh, funding and whatnot. I wonder if you again, I mean, do you see the government saying that they're going to spend money on this, that they're maybe overhauling how the the fee system is going to work for physicians, which was announced before the budget and, and all that making a difference, especially here in Fort St. John, where. Healthcare is always top of mind with people here struggling to get it and find a doctor and get, uh, you know, healthcare in a timely fashion sometimes. Yeah, you know, and and let's be honest, I mean, this is uh, this is a huge issue right now, uh, and especially uh, in in rural and remote BC. Uh, you know, we were we had a bold plan. Uh, and, and did present it. And the government did uh, recently adopt some of it, uh, but it still falls uh, much shorter than, uh, than we were hoping. <clears throat> you know, look, in Fort St. John or, or, or Fort Nelson, you pick uh, the community. Um, if, if someone is facing addiction and they have a moment of sobriety, a moment of clarity, and they want to seek treatment, the time for that treatment is now. And in Fort St. John and, and throughout the, the, the north mostly, uh, certainly the northeast, that is not available. There are no detox beds in Fort St. John. There's no, um, you know, there was recent announcement, obviously, to look at some uh, recovery beds and, and, and uh, uh, whatnot. But right now we don't have it. Um, you know, it's, it, it's absolutely shocking that, um, you know, after this was declared an emergency, the overdose crisis uh, back in 20. I think it was 2016, 2017, um, that this government is, has made zero progress mm -hmm. on uh, uh, developing the supports that are required uh, for, for people in the Northeast. And, and those big supports, and, you know, and, and right now a big topic piece is obviously the uh, supervised injection site, um, you know, the, uh, the decrim of uh, illicit drugs. You know, those are just little pieces of of the formula. Um, however, this government's forgot about the most important pieces, and that is being able to get people clean, to get people back into, uh, you know, a productive, uh, a productive lifestyle. And we don't have that offer. So right now, um, you know, this, this is a major issue that, that we need to be focusing on. And our, our, uh, you know, should we uh, be blessed with uh, uh, the next election? Uh, those are what we are going to do. Uh, we are going to commit to building beds. We are going to commit to getting people healthy. And, uh, you know, we looked a lot at the, uh, uh, the very successful Alberta model that's happening uh, in, in the jurisdiction next door to us uh, and have worked with uh, uh, people over, uh, over there to help develop, uh, you know, some of the policies. Because, you know, we don't always need to reinvent the wheel. We just need to look, hey, where is it working? And uh, Alberta's done some great stuff. And, um, you know, this is where we take, uh, got some of our ideas from and, and presented them. And the government did take a few of them, but uh, it fell way short of, of what they need and way short of what we need uh, up here in, in the Northeast.
Now, as part of uh, health care, of course, you've been calling for the government to um, reinstate or reoffer jobs back to um, the uh, many health care workers who left their positions because uh, they were unvaccinated. And that mandate still stands here. I believe it's us and uh, Nova Scotia, the last two jurisdictions in Canada that still have that in place. Why do you think the government continues to drag their feet on this when that's a resource of healthcare workers that they could hire back today if they wanted to? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's exactly, uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity during question period last week to ask the minister that exact question. Um, you know, pretty much every other jurisdiction on the continent, uh, you know, has 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 moved forward. Everyone's it's back to normal. There's no mandates. Um, and, you know, there, there's no more uh, important place, I think, than British Columbia to do this because, you know, I've been talking about our, our, our shape of our healthcare and the crisis that it is in, you know, almost since I got elected. But it's just it's got so bad, um, you know, and, and it's from obviously a shortage of health care workers. Uh, here is a pool of people right now in British Columbia that are sitting on the sidelines that want to come back to work that are unable to and and the the minister stood up and, and basically uh, uh you know sang from his uh, song sheet he's been singing from for the last uh, few years uh, and and really provided no reason why um and and that is concerning and you know we are going to continue we started actually this back last june uh first calling for you know for this government to hire back healthcare workers um <clears throat> and, and drop the mandates and you know we're coming up on a year now that we've been calling that and here we are uh, again, one of the last jurisdictions that haven't done it. So, uh, you know, this is this is one quick way I think that we can really, you know, make an impact, a positive impact uh, on on improving healthcare for British Columbians is is hiring back these healthcare professionals. Mm-hmm. Another thing on healthcare, um, I guess, as of April first through Pharmacare, uh, some contraceptive devices such as birth control and IUD is going to be free. Uh, I suppose in some uh, situations, which will. I guess make BC the first province to do this. What what do you think of that, and and how that's going to roll out? Yeah, you know, it, it's it, if you look at it, actually, it, it isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, we we need to be looking at. There is a labor shortage. Uh, there's a labor shortage across uh, across the country. Um, you know, gender equity. Uh, you know, this is something obviously that uh, that we support. I think broadly, British Columbians, Canadians support this. And you know, this is just one step forward. I think that. Uh, uh, that moves us toward that. And, uh, you know, from an economic perspective, um, you know, we'll, we'll improve uh, with the labor force. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think this, uh, you know, this is a good step forward. All right, Dan. And I... it's actually we had, we had called on previously as well. So this, uh, uh, again, this is another good idea that the government has, has <laughs> taken, which is fine. I mean, I, I, you know, ideas come from, uh, you know, from from uh, uh, all sides of this house and, and from from everywhere. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it is definitely something that we do support. Now, I do also want to take a few minutes to talk about <clears throat> uh, forestry, which, of course, is a, impacting, um, you know, people in Taylor now. But, of course, uh, the community of Chetwind, uh, you know, uh, has a huge de- uh, thing that they're going to deal with with the closure of uh, their mill there and whatnot. Um, I mean, again, the, the government's, I guess announced some help that's kind of broad based in what they might do to help uh, forestry workers who are going to be out of a job if they aren't already. Um, again, I mean, I just wonder what your thoughts are on what the government has announced so far and what you think they should be doing more of to to avoid this sort of situation happening again or or further in the future. Well, you know, 
Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. And actually, my colleague uh, from Peace River South, Mike Bernier, who is the uh, shadow minister for forestry, asked this question uh, today uh, to the minister. And, um, you know, it's, it's been uh, a year and a half now since uh, there, there, there's been a, a, a sale uh, for fiber. And, you know, when we start looking around at the challenges, and here's another interesting point. In 2017, John Horgan, as part of his campaign, said, no mills will shut under our watch. No mills will shut under our watch. I've lost count of how many mills uh-huh. have shut under their watch across the province of British Columbia, including uh, up in up in our region. So when we start looking at that, and and the, as I said earlier on there, Dub, you know, the government is already predicting a 30, 35% reduction in, in revenues from the resource sector, including forestry. Uh, you know, there is no plan. There is no plan for... Uh, for the forest sector in British Columbia. And that is uh, very worrisome as, you know, not all of us live in Vancouver. We live and we choose to live and play and work in, 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 in rural BC to, you know, to, you know, to, to play and be close with, uh, you know, nature and stuff. But it's also where the vast majority of the economic revenue comes from for the province of British Columbia. Forestry obviously is a huge one for this province. Uh, you know, as is uh, uh, natural gas and mining. So as I started off with, when you start seeing this declining, there's no plan to improve it other than, you know, hey, we'll retrain the workers into technology or something like that. That's not going to work. You know, that's cold comfort for, you know, for the forest families and and other families uh, that are that are that are impacted and and have lost their job to say, you know, we're we're going to train you up into the tech sector. Well, what does that even look like in Fort St. John? It's absolutely um, you know, ridiculous uh, to to actually even be talking about that. So we need to get back to a you know to to a, a, a working uh, with partners, uh, come forward and get permitting done so that you know we can uh, free up some some fiber in the province. Well, I heard a I've heard another interview on this topic uh, from uh, and I don't remember who was speaking, so I apologize. But um, an idea that maybe uh, a path forward might be looking at less exporting and more let's let's harvest and then also focus on industry and manufacturing at home here in bc instead of sort of the approach that has been so far is that something um a liberal government might look into and and if not what what does a liberal plan for forestry in bc look like kind of broadly speaking yeah, well, obviously, value add is good, and and I think that's what you're talking about. Value adding, you know, doing doing more with the wood here in British Columbia, uh, for sure, we support that. And even when the BC Liberal government and and soon to be the BC United, uh, you know, government, uh, uh, you know, obviously, we're going to continue doing that. But right now, it doesn't matter if you cannot get fiber. There is no forced industry. Whether we're looking, it doesn't matter what aspect we're looking at. Uh, you know, the value added piece, uh, uh, just general, uh, you know, cutting dimensional lumber or, or pulp and paper. It doesn't matter if there is no fiber made available. We don't have a forced industry. And that is the challenge that we're facing right now. All right. Uh, a couple more points I want to make uh, kind of beyond the budget now, uh, if we can. Well, uh, I, I haven't even started talking about the good stuff yet. No, right. <laughs> uh, the, the, before... the debt and the deficit that we're going to be taking on is just staggering. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk before the budget, too, because, of course, um, the throne speech drops and almost three weeks goes by uh, before the budget actually comes out that uh, members are you know, then able to debate and whatnot. Um, in that three weeks, there was some hijinks because, of course, uh, it seemed like the government ran out of 
uh, a legislative agenda. And at one day, I think uh, members were let go four hours earlier. And at other times, uh, government members were filibustering their own bills in order to sort of, I guess, fill time. Uh, I mean, I've never heard of this happening uh, before. Happened. I mean, it, it was almost comedic that it was going on. I just wonder your thoughts on, on that and what looked like a, a massive stumble for a new premier trying to set an agenda and kind of his first session as premier. You know, look, this this has never happened before. And you're right. It is an absolute embarrassment for this government. Um, you know, the people of, of Peace River North have, have sent me down here to work on their behalf. Um, I, I have to fly down here, uh, you know, stay in, stay in the greater Victoria area. I mean, this, this is an absolute waste of taxpayers' money. For almost a week and a half, there was no legislation. No, okay, and i and I got to say this. There was legislation. There was a government bill, um, as you mentioned. I can't remember the bill. I think it was Bill 8. It doesn't matter. It, it was it was a, a, a nothing bill. It was a house, housekeeping bill, um, you know, debating the word and or or. And, you know, it's like we have no problem. Yeah, let's pass it. They spoke on that two-clause bill. It, it was literally a piece of paper. And they talked on it for four days. Well, we, we did it. So, But each of their members, MLAs, took their 30-minute time limit and spoke the same speaking. It was, it was embarrassing. And, you know, looking through social media and, and even picking up, you know, uh, uh, the newspaper or the radio or whatever your news source is, that was what everyone was talking about because nobody could believe um, that this was happening. And this is David Eby, the premier's first hundred days. And, you know, he was like, I'm going to change the world. And, and, you know, we've got a, we've got a busy uh, session coming up and we're going to make changes. Well, we've, and here we are, we're halfway through session almost. And we have really yet to see any outstanding legislation come forward. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I believe they are wearing egg in their face and it's an embarrassment for the premier and the NDP government. All right. And uh, finally, uh, before I let you go in a couple of minutes here, I also want to talk a bit about this uh, petition to trigger a recall election in Peace River North. Um, first of all, I want to talk about the recall le- election uh, legislation. Uh, I think uh, part of your statement when this first came out was, you know, this is democracy in action. So in principle, I mean, the, you kind of you're not surprised that this might have happened at some point during your tenure, I suppose, eh? Well, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a matter of being surprised or, or whatever. I mean, democracy is messy, and that's fine. Um, that means it's working. And uh, I, I am a true believer. And, you know, my, my grandfather, you know, he, he fought in the war. Uh, you know, I've, I, I still am actually uh, presently serving in the reserves. Uh-huh. Um, you know, this is what we, this is just part of it. And people have their right to, uh, to express uh, their opinions. Uh, people have their right to... Uh, exercise whatever piece of, uh, uh, you know, our democracy is made available to them. In this case, uh, a recall notice. It's not the first. There's been a number of them uh, over, the, over the past number of years. You know, the one thing, though, that does worry me is um, around, I believe, a, a lot of false information on it. And, and I did mention that, uh, uh, you know, a few times. And I know I've been on your show, Dub, and, and I've been in media. Uh, you know, the, the, the discussions around Bill 36, I mean, our, our party... Uh, unanimously does not support this bill uh, and voted against it. And, you know, third reading is the only reading of a bill. Uh, the first two readings are process. In fact, just today, our House leader, Todd Stone from Kamloops, uh, brought forward a uh, uh, table to motion uh, to bring back Bill 36 
so we can actually bring it back and 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 debate it properly, mm-hmm. uh, make the amendments, ask the government the hard questions, uh, take out clauses that should not be there. I mean, we never got to do that, and that was that was a huge problem. The bill is full of holes and 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 challenges and issues. Um, so we brought back that motion today, and it was turned down by the NDP. Of course, they have the majority. Um, so so it uh, you know we we will continue to try and, and, and make those uh, fixes on there. Uh, and, and again, all the other, uh, you know, all the other information. I mean, I meet with stakeholders every day that I'm back in the riding. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I am here in Victoria during session. That is my job is to be here in Victoria representing British Columbians, representing the re- uh, residents of my region on, you know, right now, the big piece of legislation obviously is, is the budget, um, you know, and, and whatever other legislation that comes forward. That is my role here. And when I'm in Fort St. John, I have an office in Fort St. John and in Fort Nelson where I'm meeting with people, meeting with stakeholders. And, you know, that that is what I will do. That's what I'm going to continue to do uh, to to represent the vast majority of, of the constituents. And I will always listen uh, to, you know, to people. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting with as many people as I can. We have a two week, uh, a two week. Uh, uh, time here. I'm, I'm there most of it. I got some committee meetings, but uh, mm-hmm. most of the time over the next two weeks, I'll be uh, back in the writing. All right, Dan. Well, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes uh, to chat with us uh, while you're at work. So thank you very much for being here. My pleasure, Dub. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.